This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Hearts of Oak, it is wonderful to have you with us. It's been ages since I've done live because um, I've been away and there was away again. And it is absolutely wonderful to have Caroline Farrow back with us again. And I shockingly realized how long it's been since you're with us, Caroline. So sincere apologies, but it's good to have you back. <laughs> Great to be back, Peter. Great to be back. Good to have you. Um, lots of stories to go in. Um, one thing, let me look, one thing my team just asked me to mention two quick things is um, we're actually on Instagram to add to our dozen or so whatever social media channels so instagram at hearts of oak podcast that's at hearts of oak podcast you can follow us there um so take advantage of that and the other little thing was um if you have ordered any of the the t-shirts or anything and haven't got them always feel free to drop us an email shop at hearts um i was actually stateside and someone in the states had ordered a t-shirt and hadn't received it. So I stuck it in my case, brought it over and posted it stateside. So do let us know if ever you haven't received anything after like five working days, just drop us an email, let us know, and we will get that sorted. Um, you can obviously follow Caroline at CF underscore Faro uh, for all her updates. <laughs> Make sure and have that on your Twitter follow list. Um, Let's jump in. Lots of stories, as always. And this is uh, this is the first one. And, oh, I actually had the Daily Mail with me, and I left it in the other room. This is the front page of the Daily Mail today, and it is exclusive. My doctors insist it's time I died, but I will fight them. Extraordinary case of a 19-year-old woman suffering from Charlie Gard condition which is another part of this, battling medics' attempts to condemn her to death. And kind of, we'll bring up the Citizen Go uh, petition in a moment, but um, I know you were following very closely the, the Charlie Gard case. When you read this story, it's baffling that we are at this point in the UK, but do you want to just fill us in a little bit about what this is about? So... Uh, this is about a 19-year-old girl. Now, this is very close to my heart because my daughter's 19. And the, the, the girl has, or young woman, has mitochondrial uh, disease, which is what Charlie Gard had. Um, I, I think it's a different variant. And she was managing her condition, I understand. She was playing netball. She had good grades at school. She was taking part in lots of activities. Uh, and she got covid uh, I think it was last year. And as a result of being hit hard by, by COVID, she um, deteriorated. So, and, and she's wound up in a position whereby she uh, requires intensive care uh, to stay alive. So she's on, con and I think specifically dialysis. Um, but she has been declared sane uh, by two 
psychologists who've I mean she shouldn't be in that position but she's been assessed by two psychologists who say she's completely you know her brain function and her, her critical thinking is not impaired at all sadly you know it's her body that has been hit really hard um as a, it's you know this mitochondrial disease uh and, and the double knock-on of, of covid has accelerated it or and so um no, I can see someone saying, was it COVID or the jam? No, this is actually a genetic disorder she'd had. And whatever virus she got has just, you know, really um, impacted her. And, you know, we do know that people with uh, suppressed immune uh, suppressed immune systems are far more susceptible uh, to COVID, to flu, to, you know, so there's, there's no, uh, that part of it, you know, is completely legitimate. Um, so... I mean, it's so chilling, Peter. I, I can hardly articulate. So having been laid low by uh, COVID, she's on dialysis, and the doctors have, are proposing that they take her off. They stop her dialysis. They stop her dialysis treatment, uh, and she dies, because obviously she will die if she doesn't have dialysis. And uh, they want to slap a DNR order on her too. Now, understandably, she's 19 years old, and she has a very, very strong will to live. So she wants to go to Canada to take part in this, in, a, in an experimental treatment in order to see if it works. Now, she knows that it may not work, but she wants to try. She wants to give it a shot um, because she says, I'm 19. I'm not ready to die. I just if I die, I want to die fighting. I want, I want to battle it. And most of us would say, good luck. Good luck to her. You know, she's making that informed choice. However, the doctors have said, uh, no, the fact that you won't accept the fact that you're going to die and that you won't let us take off, take you off your uh, dialysis means you're delusional. Um, and so they've gone to court uh, to fight. So, you know, they've gone to court to argue that she should die. Now, the difference here between... This what makes this especially egregious is she's compost mentis. You know, this is not the case of Charlie, you know, a, a young vulnerable person who, who who can't speak, who can't articulate, uh, who can't communicate. She is able to communicate. And of course, no one's denying that she must be uh, in pain or suffering. Um, but she has made the decision, this is what I want to do. But the doctors have said, no, 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 you can't possibly, uh, you're delusional. So they've taken her to court um, and the court is going to decide whether or not she can travel abroad for this experimental treatment. And even worse, or just as bad, they've slapped a gagging order on her and her family. Her family are a Christian family. So they're not allowed to, to talk to the press. They're not allowed to ask for prayers for her. They're not allowed to explain her situation. The treatment that she wants is going to cost $1.5 million. They'd like to um, fundraise for that. But no, they've they've slacked, slapped a gagging order on her and her family, which is unbelievable. It's, it, it's so draconian. It's like you... It's, it's, it's the cult of death, really. It's, you must die. You must accept your dying and you must go through your pain and despair and everything else alone. You can't ask for, for prayers. You can't be identified. Sorry, we've decided you're going to die and, um, you know, you're delusional thinking otherwise. This is so chilling, Peter. I don't know what piece of legislation or what statute or what provision is allowing this. Uh, but we need to, I, I've been trying to look into it, but we need to identify it and it needs to be fought. There should be people marching on the streets over this. Um, 
this is it's very easy to say oh this is very sad and it's best interest no if they can do this to a 19 year old girl they can do it to you they can do it to your family um and it's so frightening that you go into an nhs hospital because you most of us don't have any choice we don't have the, the financial resources private health care in this country is extraordinarily expensive um most of us don't have it. We pay for the NHS out of our taxes and the NHS has no right and it doesn't come into med medical ethics either. If she wants to, in, in full knowledge of her condition, in full knowledge of knowing that it might not work, but if she wants to give it a shot, who are we to stop her? And it doesn't actually matter. I've had people saying, oh, well, you know, she can't decide her best interests. Yes, she can. You know, this this really is my body, my choice, because it's her body and it's her life. And if she wanted to go to Canada and get a shaman to chant woo or wave crystals at her or to shake a stick at her, uh, you, you and I might think that's very bizarre, but that's her choice uh, and her decision. Who are we to say to her, oh, you must die and you must accept it. And you're too, and it's very, I mean, yes, it's very well known that when people are given a very difficult diagnosis or a terminal diagnosis, they do struggle to accept it. This, this, this is true. Um, but, but this happens across the board with, with palliative patients. Um, and it's fine. It doesn't mean that they're mad. Uh, and most palliative patients, you know, they do come to that acceptance, but she knows that she's got a hope, she's you know, and 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 that's being taken away. And actually, if it could work, then she should she should be allowed to to try it. And you know, it frightens me going into hospital. Uh, you know, we we don't uh, we don't pay the NHS to you know the basically the the NHS needs to be honest, and this is what it's about. The NHS doesn't want to its pride. I think it was a couple of things. The NHS does not want to admit defeat they don't want to say we're not able to do this for whatever reason of course if she goes and she's successful then that highlights the brings up charlie guard again because everyone said oh charlie had no this this is a terrible treatment it's never going to work it's going to increase pain and suffering so so um it it may prove them wrong if it's successful over charlie guard uh, secondly this is about money uh, they don't because in order for her to go to Canada, she'll need a critical care team to help with the transfer. They don't want to do that. Basically, they think she's a bed blocker. There's nothing else can be done. It's terribly sad. You're never going to get better, love. So, you know, we're just going to ease. It's in your best interests, really. We're, we're going to take her. And it, how can it be in her best interests to do something? I mean, this is compulsory euthanasia. How, if she is dying, then how can it be in her best interests uh, mentally, spiritually, um, to put her in this situation where she's not allowed uh, to, to just go for it and, and where she can't even identify herself and say, you know, they're taking me off my dialysis. I don't want them to. It, it's compulsory um, euthanasia. And I said this before on this on this show, but the NHS needs to be completely honest. Mm. So if the NHS wants to say, Okay, we've got finite resources. You know, we we have a scarcity of resources, and we cannot justify uh, paying this for your treatment. We we can't. You're blocking your bed. We can't justify this. Put your hands up and be 
damn honest about it. Say, and because that is actually an ethical position to take in in a in a system where of socialized healthcare where we've got finite resources, it is really ethical uh, to say, I'm so so sorry, but we can't justify funding this. But the NHS doesn't, and and the powers that be don't want to admit that because the NHS is a sacred cow. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's the all good, wonderful thing. Um, and once you start saying, I'm really sorry, but we can't spend NHS money on this, um, yeah, it, it, actually, it undermines trust, doesn't it? Oh, completely. And I read the whole story in the Daily Mail that I don't have in front of me, and it was a big two-pager. Um, and so much, I read the double-page spread and, and could not believe what I was reading. And I know that Citizen Go have a petition that people can go to Citizen Go's website and sign that. Yes, please do. And we've got 21,000 signatures. At the moment, she's in a race against time. Everybody should be going on there and signing. You know, this is not something we can be apathetic about. This is, uh, vo- you know, compulsory euthanasia. In fact, well, euthanasia is uh, supposed to have an element of, uh, you know, volun- you know, it's, it's not supposed to be coercive. But this, this is basically voluntary euthanasia. Uh, well, not voluntary. It's, it's compulsory euthanasia being imposed on someone. The You know, it's not medical ethics. Uh, when we go into hospital, we don't. We go into hospital because we hope they'll treat us and help us to get better. They have they ought to have no say on 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 what we choose to do. It's like the Asian King case, you know, they 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 threw the parents into jail and now proton therapy, proton beam therapy, which is what Asia went to get, has been introduced um into the UK. Uh, and in fact, every single unit ought to have that family's name on, but they the family went abroad, they got chucked into jail. Um, how dare they? They've got no, they've got no right to do this. They've got no right to stop somebody from travelling. And and it's so chilling yeah. that a judge has said, yeah, mm, because she doesn't agree with the doctors, mm, you know, she, we we have to decide. No, I I don't quite understand what legislation um, that comes under, but but. It, it it frightens me. We need the, the MPs as yet are not speaking out about this. We need MPs. We we we, we need to elect MPs just to deal with this issue, um, because well, I I hope that actually with the story in the news over the weekend today, and I'm sure it'll continue tomorrow. Um, you would expect them to pick up on it, but let's we'll, and also. One final thing on this, yep. and of course, you know why they're gagging her, because as soon as uh, you know, if they manage, I know that there's some legal moves afoot uh, to try and get the transparency order lifted, uh, or the gagging order lifted, because they know as soon as a face is put to that name, as soon as there's a human being behind it, it's game over. Yeah, yeah. no it changes. I agree, and. Um, they're doing all they can do to keep that anonymous, 100%. But um, just for the viewers and listeners, make sure and go to Citizen Go website and you can fill that petition along with many others and play your part in pressurizing, hopefully, our MPs here in the UK to actually do something about it. Um, we'll leave that aside. Um, we'll move on to something completely different, and that is Graham Lineman. And 
this is um, his story. Uh, is that going to come? Yeah, um, that he was stopped from speaking at the Tory party conference. The Tory party formerly was the Conservative Party. Um, and this was, we are fair cop, put this up uh, because he stands up for women. Now, let me just play a little bit of the clip of Graham speaking. Uh, let me just bring this up and play this. I just, I'll just play a minute of him speaking about this. Um, oh, God, my hair. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I, thought, I missed that. Um, while all this was happening, and uh, and uh, I was getting a lot of uh, very, very nice messages from people on Twitter about how well it was going. Something was happening in the background. Yeah, no, it is congrats. Hi, Aleem. It is congratulations. It's been a funny week. But... Um, but yeah, it seems to be interesting things seem to be happening. I mean, you know, you can never call it because, you know, if fucking they ignored Martina, they ignored J.K. Rowling, it's much easier to ignore me. But anyway, do, things do seem to be going quite well. So it's really nice. But anyway, <laughs> um, a kind of a, a funny thing happened, which was... Um, so a few weeks ago, I was asked to go to a freedom of speech event at the Conservative Party conference. And uh, I said yes immediately, because I'll talk about free speech anywhere. And I don't think the Conservatives are evil monsters the way I used to, because uh, I obviously realized that the left were lying about many, many things. Um, and as I always say to people, Conservatives never called me no bigot. But anyway, um, I was definitely going to do it, uh, and I applied uh, for accreditation, which is apparently usually a mere formality. Well, they refused it. I got turned down. So, uh, <laughs> so I've become the only person to be banned from both the Edinburgh Fringe and the Conservative Party conference. So it's been. We will we'll start because he goes into it. Um, the obviously Graham Lynham of Father Ted fame of IT Crowd fame of now standing up for women's rights to be women. Uh, you, Graham Lynham, he's someone who from the comedy side you would kind of you wouldn't think there's much pushback. He's not a, a political hard nut. He's just someone who's been in media. And yet he has faced an onslaught, which is unbelievable to most people. But Caroline, getting banned from the Conservative Party conference because you believe that women deserve women's spaces, um, it's gone mad. Yeah, well... The story's a little bit, uh, I have to be a little careful how I describe things, um, but the story's a little bit more complex than that. So basically, um, in order to be accredited, Graham had to go through a police check. Now, this went via Greater Manchester Police. Graham has already been reported to Greater Manchester Police, uh, I think it was in 2018, uh, and they apparently gave him a warning. I'm not sure about this because a warning, 
uh, doesn't exist legally. Uh, you can't get a harassment warning. Used, years ago, you used to be able to get a harassment warning notice, which was you've been reported for doing whatever, and if you do it again, you're nicked, chum. Uh, and they've stopped doing this. The police have rightly stopped issuing these things because they realised they were actually being used as tools of harassment and themselves. So Graham doesn't have a criminal record, um, but apparently he's been reported and he's known to uh, Greater Manchester Police. And it was Greater Manchester Police who said to, who, who, who flagged this up and he got refused accreditation. So the Tory party chairman, Greg Hans stepped in and now Graham is allowed to speak. Um, and it's, for, it's probably because everyone knows who Graham is that, uh, you, you know, and there's been so many headlines around him that, that, that this has happened. Now, Greater Manchester Police uh, are, have been captured by um, Stonewall. Yeah. So uh, this is not the only time uh, they have behaved completely egregiously uh, when it comes uh, to, to trans issues. But, but it's, you know, I think it shows as well. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just going to try and look up. I, I had somewhere on my screen what uh, Greater Manchester Police had formed for. But I think in the meantime, what this shows is that um, these hate speech laws are just not fit for purpose. Because, you know, when these all came in, this was all at, off the back of Abu Hamza. Mm. And people were very worried about uh, Islamic radicalization and what was being said. And, uh, you know, th th there was a post 9-11, there was a real danger uh, that, that young Muslim men were going to become uh, radicalized and, and, you know, pose a threat to, to the UK. And when you see what some of these uh, Islamic critics, um, clerics even, were saying, then, then you know, there always has to be some kind of limit uh, on, on free speech. You know, I'm not a free speech absolutist. Clearly, you should not be allowed to go around actually inciting violence uh, towards other groups of people and in encouraging people to do terrorist acts or to say that, you know, this group of people should be exterminated or, you know, yes, there does have to be a limit. Um, but I think most of us have enough common sense to know where that limit is. So, for example, recently, unbelievably, there was a trans activist called Sarah Jane Baker, who is this very crazy guy who um, was serving a life sentence uh, for rape. In fact, no, was it for murder even? I think it might have been for murder. Um, no, I think it was for murder, actually. And he uh, is, is he cut off his own testicles in prison. And since uh, coming out on release, he has been getting very involved in the trans cause again. And at a recent rally, he actually said, if you see a TERF, i.e. a trans-exclusive revolutionary, uh, no, was it trans-exclusive radical feminist, sorry, it's been so long since I explained the acronym. I've forgotten it. You know, I, I think of it turf is tired of explaining reality to fuckwits. Uh, <laughs> it is a much better is <laughs> is a much much better um, acronym. But uh, he said, if you see a, a turf, punch her in the face. So yeah, that was inciting violence, and that got reported to the to the Metropolitan Police, who decided it was fine and they weren't going to do anything about it. Um, and then Suella Braverman, 
got involved. Uh, so he got Sarah Jane Baker got recalled to prison. Um, and then he had his trial a couple of weeks ago and he got found not guilty. So, oh, well, yes, you're a bit stupid, aren't you? You know, yes. And he said, oh, yes, I'm an idiot. That's an idiotic thing to say. But wow. Wow. And and he was going around inciting a crowd of trans activists. If you see a turf, i.e. a woman like me, because I get called a, despite not being a radical feminist, I get called a turf all the time. It's just, you know, an easy label to slap on people. You know, I don't care. Uh, I'm sure radical feminists would <laughs> and say, no, Caroline's not one. Um but actually, he was able to, to incite violence towards women like me, women like uh, Kelly J. Keane, um, women like J.K. Rowling. You know, if you, you know, women MPs like Joanna Cherry, um, who's, who's had a lot of pushback, Julie Bindle, another feminist who speaks out about this. Basically, if you see uh, someone who you perceive is anti-trans or a trans-exclusive uh, radical feminist, then punch her in the face. Mm. And he's got off with that. Which, which is stunning. And what Graham says is nowhere in that league at yeah. all. Graham doesn't go around uh, inciting violence. Uh, sorry. Um, thank you, my darling. Sorry, my daughter's just come in. Uh, Graham, can you shut the door, lovely? Uh, Graham doesn't come in. Um, sorry, Graham doesn't incite violence. He's, you know, to put him up there with someone like Abu Hamza or, you know, some terrible actual racist who, who goes around you know and and that you know there are racists you know real racists and neo-nazis uh, about i know we all get called them but we're not um but to actually equate graham uh with those sorts of people and in fact yes i've just checked it um so this is the same great greater manchester police who uh have you know been it feeds into our next story um They've been really political and said, we stand with Stonewall and no turfs on our turf. You know, something is 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 really, really rotten. And I'm glad that Graham can speak, but it shows the sort of level of censorship that everybody else is facing. Because probably if I had applied, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, that sounds quite interesting, uh, uh, a Tory party conference event on free speech. No doubt I would be banned. Uh, from attending and because I'm not uh, you know famous like like Graham then probably it wouldn't be sorted out and they'd go oh we don't want her kind anyway <laughs> not that but do you know do you know what I mean it, yeah. it just shows no ordinary lesser known people uh, are, are being caught up in this so um, yeah I'm glad it got sorted but it's it's disgraceful particularly uh, as Graham doesn't have a criminal record um, you know and, and are they saying okay you can never say anything about, you can never criticise, uh, strongly criticise, as Graham does, transgender ideology uh, and transitioning of children, because uh, that's that's also Graham's big thing, as is, as it is with all of us, really, about the harm being affected on children. So you can't ever talk about these things because it might offend somebody else and it might lead somebody else to do something. You know, no. If I had my way, I I think I we need a big revision of of hate speech and hate crimes. Um, I mean, if, if it were me, frankly, I would get rid of of hate crime. Uh, oh, yeah. Because actually, if you murder somebody, it doesn't make it any more heinous because you were mo they because of the 
your motivation. You know, stabbing someone to death because uh, they have slept with your lover or generally because they've been having an affair or is, is every bit as vile and disgusting and horrible and deserves lifelong punishment as stabbing somebody to death because of their sexuality, their race, or their gender. You know, all these crimes are heinous, heinous crimes, um, which, you know, doesn't, which deserve the same punishment. It doesn't make it better or worse yeah. motivated you to do this. The fact is, once you've, you are motivated to commit a violent crime, uh, then, you know, you, you need punishment and retribution and, yeah. So uh, yeah, a, a crime's a crime. It's irrelevant on uh, what was in someone's mind. So 100% agree with you. And, and so I know you're saying this moves on to the next story, which was um, in the Telegraph. Uh, you know, Stuella. Well, actually, just hold it. Just want to mention one other story. Just to touch on, uh, oh. and people can go to um, to. It's a Premier Christianity magazine. Yeah. So that's right people um, can go and read that when it comes to ideology gender neutral school uniforms are not neutral at all maybe just just give us a minute and what people can find in that article and then we'll jump on to Sula Braverman uh okay so um this was about and I, I also wrote a similar piece for the Catholic Universe uh this week so this is about the fact that uh top public schools as well as lots of Church of England uh primaries as well as secondaries have introduced gender neutral uniform um and not only that, but one of the UK's biggest uh, uniform suppliers, Stevenson's, which supplies to uh, both the independent and the state sector, they're huge, um, has followed suit and has deliberately, since 2019, not marketed school uniforms at either girls or boys. And so now what some of these schools have done is introduce uniform A, uniform B and uniform C, and you choose you have to wear the whole set, you know, so I'm wearing the whole, you can't mix and match. Yeah. Now, this sounds, uh, as I said, the devil, if the devil's uh, greatest trick uh, exists in making you think that he doesn't exist, his second gre uh, greatest trick lies in convincing you that he's the good guy. So on the, on the surface of this, like all great lies, it's built on the kernel of truth in that school uniforms ought to be uh, practical. And so I've got no problem with girls uh, wearing trousers uh, if they want to, uh, because women wear trousers in the workplace and provided them, you know, smart and modest. And, you know, I think whatever school uniform, whether you wear skirts or whether you wear trousers, uh, people find a way of modifying them. And actually, I think, you know, in, in, a, in a time where we've got upskirting as well, um, I see these girls with, I can't believe they can get away with it, in really indecently short skirts. Uh uh, walking down the road and I think goodness I can't believe you're allowed to get away with that just because as an you know anyway so I think you know girls should be allowed to wear uh, skirts or trousers boys should be allowed to wear shorts actually uh, not all secondary schools let boys wear shorts I think boys should be allowed to wear shorts in this weather uh, one of my kids schools this week the headmaster was stood there in a very smart pair of knee length shorts and short sleeve shirt looked very smart looked very good because it was like 32 degrees and he didn't want to be running around in a suit fair game fair game to him um, and I also think I used to watch Neighbours, they left this bit out, but I used to watch Neighbours as, 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 as a teenager and I'd be so jealous of them in their nice summer dresses. I think, why can't why can't girls in the summer wear a nice cotton summer dress? Yeah. Why do they have to wear, you know, 
cumbersome shirt tie and what have you. So there's a difference between being practical, but what you have to remember is that school uniforms are cut differently for girls and boys. So boys have broad shoulders, um, girls have smaller rib cages, you know, girls have breasts and hips. So um, marketing uniform at the sexes is sensible because it is cut differently, because men and women are built differently. What these policies are doing is erasing differences between sex. So they're saying that, you know, we're all one amorphous mass and we should all be treated the same. Now, having there's a difference between saying we should all have a quality of education, we should all have a quality of opportunity, uh, and saying we're, we should all be treated identically because clearly boys and girls uh, need a slightly different approach, uh, not only when it comes to, to, to toilets and changing rooms, but actually PSHE, um, you know, boys and girls, I'm a big firm advocate of actually should be taught separately. Um, some of these really, you know, difficult subjects, uh, you know, and I, I speak to girls, they like, I don't really want to talk about periods in a, in a room with boys. So, um, and also, interesting, when you look at the GCSE uh, latest results, girls have massively outperformed boys uh, academically. So, you know, there is a difference, actually. So we shouldn't be and, – and by allowing children to – by giving – by making these gender-neutral uniforms, you're asking children, some as young as four or five, to make a statement about their gender identity and how they want to be perceived as others. So you're asking kids to make – a political statement and to make a difficult adult choice you know school uniforms are all about and in fact Keir Starmer I think has said that he's going to scrap compulsory school uniforms uh, which is crazy because school uniforms are, are a great equaliser uh, between the haves and the have-nots and they're all about fostering a sense of you know identity and community uh, and every you know they're a great leveler yes there's scope for making them less expensive uh, but actually don't abolish them but what these gender neutral uniforms are doing is asking kids to make a political statement it's a bit like saying you have to choose whether you're going to wear a cross or a yellow star or whatever and in fact schools make reasonable adjustments for pupils faith but they don't actually declare uh that you know you have to say how you want to be perceived by others and if, I, I was talking to someone yesterday um whose son is now nine but they were eight at the time son came home after having one of these all of this in school and said that he wanted to identify as a boy as a girl he said he was actually a girl and she knew nothing about it at this point she you know and the school suggested that she contacted mermaids so she did uh, completely naively and she said you know what they were suggesting was horrendous you know that he went to all these clinics and that he got put you know and they were uh, referring her to um, gender gp where she could you know get the puberty blockers and things for him and she said it, it just did my head in and she had an awful lot of other stuff going on in her life and 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 you know then did some reading and and came across you know me uh, what women like me are, are saying and and she said oh did you know that mermaids are now being investigated by the charity commission and I said yeah 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 that's really and she said I'm just so glad because now he he said oh I, I want I want to be a boy actually you know and and she had been completely liberal you know and when he came home and said he wanted to be a girl she was like well okay you know let's she wasn't actually opposed to it but mm. 
being um, exposed to actually what they wanted to do made her rethink. But you think, gosh, how many other kids have potentially yeah well it's uh i think everyone who's ever worked in mermaid should be locked away for life for sexually abusing children which leads us on to the swell of braverman that um and i will take this with a pinch of salt uh, i don't know where you want to go on this caroline but swell of braverman who is now the new champion of the right, uh, just like Pretty Patel was last year. Everyone has their year. Uh, Woke police are damaging public trust. Home Secretary orders investigation into officers pandering to politically correct causes, such as taking the knee to BLM protests. Um, What are your thoughts on this? And do you think it will change anything, Caroline? <laughs> no, somebody has to put their money. Well, I don't know. She's written to the Association of uh, Police uh, Constables, hasn't she? Um, I hope that, you know, one would like to think, uh, I mean, this is a very strong message that she's sending out, uh, but words aren't deeds, are they? So, uh, I mean, she's. She, it's, it's a very clear statement of intent that they shouldn't be taking the knee. They shouldn't be uh, dancing with the pride protesters. They shouldn't be waving rainbow flags and epaulettes. And, and there have been so, so many cases. I mean, you said you were away over the summer, Peter. My goodness, there was a spate of egregious and outrageous uh, cases come to light of, of a terrible uh, police behaviour. Um, and I think it, we've got to the point now where we need more than words. We actually need a major reform of the police. Whether I, I'm not, um, I ought to be, but I'm not politically savvy enough to sit here and tell you exactly what that should look like. But I suspect it needs uh, action. It needs some legislation. It needs the the, the police constables uh you know being forced to reform their forces because over the summer we had a case of first of all i don't know if you saw about the autistic girl Mm. so there was a girl with autism who was being brought home by the police because she had she was vulnerable and she'd gone out with her older sister she'd got drunk police were bringing her home and she said to uh this police officer as she was in the confines as she was you know, in her house, oh, she looks like a lesbian, like Nana. Uh, and this, I don't even think it was a police constable. I think it was, you know, one of these community officers uh, took great offence and said, right, she's getting arrested. She's getting arrested for a homophobic remark. Yeah. And in fact, you know, I've, I'm mum to kids with autism and I can tell you they have no filter, no filter at all. They just say what they're thinking. You know, to give you a very different example, very cute example, my son said to um, my mother-in-law a couple of weeks ago, who's very, very uh, sprightly for her age, very fit, very active. She wouldn't know her age. He said, oh, grandma, you'd better sit outside in the sun and enjoy it while you're still alive. He said, I've I've been thinking, he said, you're 80 and... um, You've probably not got much longer to live, have you? So you ought to sit and rest your way. You know, and he he meant no harm. She thought it was hilarious. Uh but but you know, they just say whatever they're thinking just comes out. So she wasn't being homophobic. Her grandmother is a lesbian in a relationship with another woman. She's like, oh, she looks like a lesbian, like my nana. And she said, and it doesn't even matter if she was being homophobic, frankly, because 
The police have heard a lot worse, so they should have thicker skin. Secondly, saying so-and-so looks like a lesbian isn't homophobic at all. And so what? So what if she looks like a lesbian? You know, who cares? Who cares? What's wrong with looking like a lesbian? What's wrong with being a, a lesbian? Why, why take great offence at that? Um, but it was also in the in her own home. So actually, what you say in your own home is not a public order offence. But this woman said, no, 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 no. Uh, this is terrible. And she was like, she's getting arrested. She's getting arrested. And this girl it was, it was so distressing to watch. She went off to her private uh, place under the stairs, you know, which is obviously her safe space and she was harming herself you know hitting and hurting herself and this woman calls for seven police officers for backup um and and the poor vulnerable 16 year old gets dragged into custody and interrogated for 20 hours and because of the outcry um now this is being looked into but it should never have happened then there was another case of somebody who a septuagenarian who took a picture of a sticker uh found a turf sticker obviously amused her and she took a picture of it. She probably wanted to put it on Facebook and say, oh, look what I found. It's not illegal. Uh, a month later, she had two police knock at her door. Uh, and she was terrified. She thought, oh, my goodness, you know, has somebody died? Because that's what you think when the police has come to your door. And they came in her house and interrogated her for half an hour about why she'd taken a picture. And apparently she'd got they'd got hold of her address because uh pride her local pride movement uh recognized her because she'd made some comment on facebook um and so basically they came to her house to lecture her about her thinking um and so and then of course you've got these these other cases uh, isabel vaughan spruce um uh, was asked what she was thinking when she was uh, you know arrested for just standing there she had no protest she had no signage she was just standing there praying in her head and Suella Bravman has said uh you know silent prayer you know is not in and of itself uh, an offense so she's made the right noises uh, but I think she has to walk the walk uh, and make sure that you know, women are not getting arrested for taking photographs of stickers or for saying the wrong thing on Twitter or or, or whatever it, it might be. Um, and, you know, I, I over the last few days, there was an incident, which I won't uh, talk about because it's live investigation, but there was an incident on Twitter where a woman was arrested and it was very difficult to know what on earth was going on here. My own experience of my local police force uh, which again, I'm because of my legal situation, I can't talk about. But what I will tell you is my situation, my local police force means that now whenever I see somebody being arrested, I assume the police mm. have got it wrong, have made a pig's ear of it, uh, and I just ex- assume they're being ignorant, malevolent, and spiteful. Uh, and, and I'm from a family whereby we were brought up, to, you know, we automatically trusted the police. They're on our side, they're our friends, they're there to help us. Uh, you know, my my daughter said to me, oh, mummy, if if the police ever come and arrest you again, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And I said, no, 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 darling, you mustn't. You must stay out of it. You really must stay out of it. You know, this is... And she was like, no, but I will, because this is this is, this is so terrible. They're just being so stupid and so horrible. And, and I said, no, honestly, please, you know, you'll only end up being arrested yourself. And she said to me, but I'm a child. <laughs> they wouldn't arrest a child. Yeah. I said, actually, love... They would, and they will. And, you know, 
if if they will arrest people for for swearing, then they will do anything to anyone. And I think your thoughts, views, Caroline, are probably the same as all of our viewers over the last couple of years. But let's go on to there's one. I I just want to show a a little funny. This was um, Stonewall's lesbian nan. This is one of the ones that went right after that story, which you basically have to smile and laugh at because it's so utterly bonkers. But um, let let me bring up the one on, which is a story that we see quite a bit. And this is a story from Care. They don't think we've actually had on before, um, who are a Christian lobby group based in the UK. And this was, it was just their headline that caught my eye on this story. Um, Pedophile changes gender and avoids prison. I mean, most of the stories were about uh, the pedophile changing gender and arguing their case. Um, that that six-word headline, uh, that would have been not in any newspaper. It wouldn't have been online a couple of years back. Uh, and now this is, yeah, yeah, they changed. Uh, it all seems too easy, doesn't it, Caroline? You can just pick your gender to fit whatever you need in life. And, you know, I think, um, to be fair, <laughs> to be balanced, it looks as if this guy, uh, one of the reasons that he escaped, he should have had an immediate uh, 12-month sentence. But the, one of the reasons that they didn't, or the judge said that he didn't jail him, was because the court system is in such total chaos uh, that it was, you know, been back, he'd it'd gone on for so long uh, that they decide that's why whether or not that's actually true but you know I was I was a bit shocked I was reading about um a case there's been a tangential case a bit like Lucy Letby of two hospital uh, workers who are being prosecuted for manslaughter for somebody's death a young woman's death in 2016 and it has taken the police the police investigation has taken five years uh, yeah, and you, uh, g- generally speaking, I mean, I know uh, from my own situation, it, it's it's really disgusting, actually. Um, the, 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 you know, and this is why police time shouldn't be taken up with stupid uh, what people are saying on social media or someone's taking a picture, a photo of a sticker. I mean, please. Um, but but yeah, you know, this this guy. I mean, it's stuck. This, this this speaks to the heart of of what women like me and what Graham Linehan are worried about, and we know so that, that somebody can be a paedophile. So this person, um, and apparently they had six other offences, um, and this is always the case. These people always seem to have an extensive uh, criminal past. You know, it's almost like their paedophilia is the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> you, you know, they always seem to have. Uh, they've had numerous um, form with the law, like the, the, this this guy that you're talking about has had numerous. I think he said he'd been, he had six other offences. He uh, was so banged to rights that when he was arrested, he wrestled with them to stop them from taking his phone, his two phones. Now, by contrast, uh, I had my stuff taken. I didn't fight once. Like fine. Good luck with what you're going to find. Uh, I had no worries about what they were going to find. Uh, yeah, so I have I have worries about. Um, yeah, anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> but but I had no worries about what they were going to find because I know uh, 
there was nothing to hide actually um and there isn't anything to hide i didn't try and hide phones from them or whatever it's like fine you know uh but i also think when you've got a malevolent police force and an ignorant police force who've decided already that you are guilty and that you're a terrible bigot whatever uh then they will read whatever they want to uh into what they find so they'll say oh you've been looking at a far-right website well no i've been looking at uh christian concern or whatever do you know what i mean Uh, so that they'll read whatever they want you know when someone's out to get you they will they'll find a way but but yeah i mean so so this guy um is he now identifies as a woman and he's, you know, wearing pink clothes because all women. Well, <laughs> well let, let me bring up the, the Darren Grimes tweet, which I loved. Um, and this is Darren Grimes, GB News presenter, who is gay. And this is the, the picture, I think, from the Telegraph. Um, Surely we can all see this as a deliberate attempt to have court proceedings go through in a different name. Putting on a headband and wearing a pink T-shirt doesn't make you a woman uh, that's quite a profound statement <laughs> <laughs> and this this is a worry though so people like this who've got um who you know so he's got indecent in images uh on on his phone and you know he's perpetuating child abuse or people who've molested a teenager uh, or a child you know sexual abusers okay they can then change their names and get a GRA, and then claim that this means that they can never be dead named. It means that you know you're you're, you're committing a terrible offence, and you're you know you shouldn't be allowed to ever. You know, it's a gift. The the, the Gender Reform Act or the the yeah the ability a gender recognition certificate is an absolute gift to sexual abusers um, like 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 this guy because. You know, they can change their name. And, and how does that work on a DBS check? Because actually, what if this guy who had all these indecent images was at our church and, you know, presented as Miranda or something, I've forgotten who he's presenting as, and, and said, oh, I want to work with your youth group. Um, and did it, you know, and, and the DBS check was done in his, you know, new name. Um, no one would be any the wiser. Um, yeah. This, you know, and I think it was Neil, the MP Neil Hanvey said, you know, um, he, he's from the Alba Party, and he said, you know, actually, he thinks that, and he's gay too, and he said, he thinks that once you've committed uh, a sexual offence, you shouldn't be allowed uh, yeah. to, to legally change your gender. Well, and, and I think I do think that he's right, actually, uh, and, and this is what people are concerned about, and this is this is what we're seeing with with cases like this guy you've just brought up. Yeah, not completely. Let's um, with we'll go three more stories. We'll we'll fire through them. We'll just do uh, two or three minutes each. Pro Jam, do you want to bring up the online safety bill, uh, which is story nine? Let's see if he brings it up. And this is uh, again huge subject, but we'll just mention it. My interest in this was simply that the Evening Standard were asking this question, why the online safety bill remains a huge threat to London life. Legislation passing through Parliament probably will be a law next month in October. Uh, poses big threats to the apps and websites Londoners use every day. Um, and this is just talking about 
ease of use of websites. I know Wikipedia have said they may have to pull out, Signal have said they may have to pull out. Um, I know Microsoft have now expressed huge concerns. Uh, but, I mean, Caroline, this is possibly the biggest restriction on the internet since the internet. Yeah. And again, as they always do, they say they, they use something really terrible to hook us in and tell us why it's necessary. So they say, well, okay, we need to be able to spy on people's messages so that we can scan them for child abuse images. Nobody is going to disagree with that, right? Everyone is going to want anyone who's sharing child abuse images to be identified and jailed. But the problem is the security doesn't allow them to do that. So once you allow for this to happen, then you open up for all messages uh, to be encrypted. And so we then have, or, or to be decrypted. So we then have a situation a bit like Graham Linehan earlier, uh, you know, Abu Hamza, who everyone would be on board with uh, him, you know, being silenced and you know deported, uh, you know, that then gets translated down the line to uh, people like, like Graham, you know, no, normal people. So yes, this, uh, and the whole, the whole idea as well of, of what causes, offence you know this is a problem and this is why I know we haven't got onto this but you know Europe's trying to introduce these uh, online hate speech laws because they're very ill-defined you know and just you know, they say oh we're well, saying something that could cause offence ought to be illegal uh, and and, and I think the EU are wanting to put it right up there with a serious client, crime like you know violence against women and girls and uh, rape and murder it's 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 absolutely insane so you know on, on the back door of a very seemingly good idea, you know, who doesn't want to stop child abusers? Who doesn't want to stop these images from being uh, disseminated? Suddenly, all our freedoms go away. And, you know, yeah, it, it is the government needs needs actually to, to, to drop it. Uh, and I, actually, and I think that article said that by the time... That actually, it's so complex that by the time that it's all implemented anyway, technology will have moved on. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, I, but I, 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 I think it was Signal that pointed out if we provide a backdoor for the government to access, that opens up a backdoor for anyone to access. Mm. Governments don't seem to be clued on to realize that if it's for them, it's for anyone. That's right. And, you know, nobody wants uh, strangers, corporations. Uh, you know, I, I know of loads of people that would love to be reading my messages, um, not because I'm up to anything illegal, but you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, there are two more ones. This was, again, um, very different from the other ones. This was on Daily Skeptic, which is Toby Young's website. Energy bill authorizes reasonable force to install smart meters that allow authorities to turn customers' energy on and off. And when I read this, I thought, I'm sure you're right, Toby. So I went and checked the legislation and it does seem to allow police to enter. Um, and again, this is simply just once again an overreach of the government that why do they have any right to check on your electricity meter? Is that really the role of the police? Um, but yeah, kind of, it's just... Yeah, and, and, and they make the point as well that um, 
the MPs who voted this through, this is a really, really dense piece of legislation. Uh, and they're saying only nine MPs voted against it. So basically, everybody really, really understands all all, all the sort of thousands of pages. Yeah. Um, and in it, it, basically, these meters allow for the energy companies to just throw a kill switch uh, yeah. and cut off your supply if you're deemed to be using too much uh, energy. So they can just go in and say, for whatever reason, basically, your electricity or your water or whatever could be cut off. Um, now, I know that has always existed uh, for non-payment of bills, but energy companies have always actually tried to work really hard with customers, particularly, uh, you know, yeah. they know that customers in poverty. Um, and there is a big scandal about um, they've put the poorest people on these spark meters, which is a lot more expensive. So if you're on a pay-as-you-go meter, you are paying proportionately mm-hmm. so much more uh, for your basic services, um, which is a massive injustice uh you know and i'm supposed to be a right winger but but it is it's a massive it's a massive injustice um but the idea that basically the government or the energy companies can just come and cut off your electricity or gas or your water and that you know basically someone can come into your property to install this sort of terrible uh potentially terrible device and and they can see how much energy you're using at any time and decide to cut it off is very worrying, actually. And, and of course, they could do it at a tweet the government don't like, which is well, yeah. we're concerned about. Yeah, let let me touch on the last last story, which is something that's intrigued me, and I'm intrigued at the British fight back. And not that we would condone anything which goes against our wonderful government and police, which always have our best interests at heart. Rishi Sunak does lie awake and and think about all of us, how to make our lives better. But this, ULES, and it was BBC, so I know it's been under the radar and it's got bigger and bigger. When it hits the BBC, the establishment are worried about it. And this is ULES, which is the ultra-low emission zone, which is the restriction on older vehicles driving into originally central London and now to the M25. Um, 510 camera-related crimes in five months, says Met Police. Um, it looks like it's around a quarter of the cameras have been damaged either with silly string or having their cables cut. Uh, but, yeah, Carla, it was just this feedback of the public, a frustration at, again, once again, overreach. This reminds me very much of the poll tax. Yeah. You know, it's an ungovernment. It's, it's, uh, the authority is trying to bring in uh, some a draconian uh, payment uh, that people can't afford and mm-hmm. see as, you know, unilaterally unfair and unjust and is on top of you know the road tax that we already play uh and i i i think if it goes on like this then actually the ules scheme is going to have to be rethought because they can't introduce you know the government the government govern with the consent of the people and the people are not consenting uh to be governed like this you know to it's it's all part of their i'm not a conspiracy theorist but it's all part of this same horrible mindset that we must monitor your energy we must monitor where you're driving all the time if you want to drive into a you know city you must pay x amount more you know yeah which people can't can't afford uh you must say the right thing on social media you know, this this is kind of the danger of, of 
of the internet in that it's this state overreach. You can't travel a you can't travel abroad to uh, have life's life potential life's extending treatments. You know, this is why I heard. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, necessarily a massive Dominic Raab fan. He's he's very you know. I, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not shilling for Dominic Raab at all. Your, but your secret has come out, Caroline. He he said that we need a new and and we have all these new political parties. Because we need a new political uh, settlement. Because we saw that clip of Graham Linehan feeling very defensive uh, that he was speaking at a Conservative Party or going to a Conservative Party conference because Graham has always seen himself as left liberal, social justice warrior. Uh, and actually, there is not really that much difference the, the only two differences, really, I think, between the current Conservative Party and the Labour Party is fiscal governance yeah. um, and how they would how would they would manage the economy and which groups they would prioritise. But really, uh, none of the, the Labour Party don't speak uh, f- for the people. They don't speak yeah. for the ordinary working man or woman. And certainly, neither does the Conservative Party. And we need, and this is why we've had, you know, the Reform Party and the Reclaim Party, we need a new political settlement. Um, And, you know, I would love to see all these smaller parties do so much better at the general election. We we need to really um, say to these politicians, hold them accountable. What, What do politicians understand they understand electoral pain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, being voted out of office is like death for them. Uh, I, don't, I, I am not issuing violent or death threats, just to be very clear. But, you know, I'm talking metaphorically. Being voted out is, 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 is game over for them, really. So we need to, instead of being apathetic, we need to start uh, organising and getting candidates who we can vote for and, and sweep away some of these preconceptions about, okay, so you're perhaps socially conservative, you know, you don't believe that children ought to be allowed to... I think, I mean, most of us, I think, are on a, the same page as we don't really care what you get up to in your private life, so long as, you know, <laughs> with, with the usual caveats. Um, but just don't, you know, force everybody else to, you know... Uh, be an unwilling voyeur whether they want to or not. Yeah. Um, and certainly don't be transitioning children. Uh, you, you know, don't be transitioning children. Don't be sexualizing children. Don't be teaching children about pornography and anal sex and BDSM and stuff in the classroom. So, uh, you know, and this does not make you Mary Whitehouse. This does not make you hard right. This does not make you fascist. This just makes you a sensible, you know, to use a cliche, right thinking person. Uh, but we need we need a much. I think I well yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we need. Um, but we need we need a new political settlement, Peter, because we, none of these people speak for us. We do, and I'm intrigued to watch. Let's see if what Suella Braverman was talking about. Let's see if that comes out of the Tory Party conference. Uh, we will uh, wait and see whenever that happens early next month. Um, Caroline, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always good to have you on. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Nice to be back.
and thank you to all. I see there are 2,000 of you watching the moment on Getter, if you've been watching on Rumble or CloudHub or Twitter uh, or DLive or YouTube, uh, or if you're listening on the go after on Podbean or the podcasting apps, it is absolutely wonderful to have you with us. And I hope you survive the, the beautiful global warming that's happening this weekend. I told you to finish on Monday. <laughs> and it was a, when there was one article that said um, that heat stroke actually was warning Brits about heat stroke. And this was at a 30 degree centigrade which for those in the u.s is 85 degree fahrenheit it's warm but probably not what you're going to collapse off and nearly die so um, well done for those of you who have made it through this summer which is what we call it um, on that i'll let you all go enjoy the rest of your weekend however you're watching wherever you're watching thank you for being with us and we'll be back with you on monday for an interview with richard poe uh looking at a very left field subject looking at the whether the brits are destabilizing africa completely different join us on monday evening for that so thank you so much for watching and good night to you all if you like what we do sign up to our mailing list Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.